We are back, so welcome back. I know this is the holiday weekend and everyone is out and about visiting family and friends because this is the time of eating, drinking, and getting reacquainted with old family members, which you haven't seen in a long time. So on that note, I wanted to revisit and ask a couple of past guests that we had, what are the three jewels of advice you can give to parents when trying to raise financial freedom? Hopefully the advice they give can help you with your kids when trying to teach them financial literacy or in life in general, because some of the advice that was given is not necessarily have to do anything with money, but there was definitely some gems in there. So let's get right into it. I know everyone had a full weekend, a full relaxing weekend, and just want to get right into the show. So let's get this started in. Come on, Dad, stop playing around and play the music. Sheesh, tough crowd. Have you ever wondered why some people seem to have it all financially? Do well-off parents simply hand their children money? Or is there more to this wealth thing? Welcome to Raising Financial Freedom, the podcast. We are here to talk about everything you never knew to teach your children when it comes to starting their financial future. The principles behind wealth and methods that are out there to teach your child about personal financial freedom. There is no real trick to earning other than learning. We are here to discuss, teach, and grow with you. Raising Financial Freedom, the podcast. With your host and concerned parent, Eric Yard. Let us get right into today's show. So my very first guest was episode three with Sabrina Constantine. I will always remember Sabrina because, of course, she was my first guest. And she's coming out of Australia and it just showed me that this problem is a problem that is just basically all over the world. So here she is giving her three jewels of advice on raising financial freedom. Children learn by example. So so we should be setting those good examples. So um, ourselves. And that means including them in some bills paying is one of them. That's some, one of the things that I do with my girls. Um, like I said, I think one of the things I do with my girls is Maya, the oldest. She puts some money towards her own phone and gets to see what, what the bills are like, what's happening. So that at least sets her for the next few years as she's 16. And also, you know, not being scared. One of the things is don't you be, not to be scared of talking about money in front of the kids. I find that it's, I mean, it's not a taboo. It's something that your kids need to, re- to learn. So being honest with the kids, you know, not to hide anything from them. Like when, you can, when someone can't afford something, let those kids know. Um, have a talk to them. You'd be amazed at, at, as to how they will react and their understanding and their comprehension of, you know, how things are. And giving, giving them a voice. I find that when I give my children a voice in the decision-making, they feel, they feel proud. They're proud of that, that they, they're given that chance to do so. So discussing things with them rather than, you know, treating them like, you know, they're just members without just, yeah, giving them a voice in, in their decision-making. It's, it's very important for them because they can see the dynamics. They can see how things are going. We tend to also do a roundtable sometimes um, that we discuss things. So we'll go sit down and have a chat. and Go into that. Uh, oh, a roundtable. Yeah, it does. It actually, we have watched a few segments, but to be honest with you, it does work. 
and it works on all aspects, not just the, the you know the money and the financial side of things. We when we disagree on things, we'll sit down and we'll discuss things. It's taken us a lot, a, sort of a, a long time to get to that point, especially with the kids. But it's all trial and error to see what works for you, sort of thing, I guess. Once again, that was Sabrina from our very first interview back in November of last year. So it's November of this year now, and that officially makes it a year since we've been podcasting. I didn't want to make too much of it because we plan to be giving you this content for years to come. But yeah, it's been a year. So we'll take a round of applause for that. Okay, that's enough. Our guest from episode number five, Chelsea Robeson, was definitely a good guest that we had. And she definitely had her own take on what she felt about raising children financially free. Where you start and how can you improve on that? One is make it a part of your regular conversation. Money is already a part of our day, every day, you know, whether we like it or not. So don't make it this mystical thing. Just make it a part of the conversation. And if they ask questions about money, talk about money. And I think that's what it is. And that's what I've seen have the most impact on my girls is just having the conversation, a regular conversation with them. And if they get fearful about money, I want to talk with them about it. Or if they're concerned, we won't have enough money, right? I want to talk with them about it instead of just saying everything's fine. Don't worry about it. And they don't know all the details of our financial life, right? But no. I want them to understand it enough that they feel comfortable with it um, so that they can have a healthy mindset. Okay. I think another another one would be following their interests in, in when it comes to finances or money, even if it seems silly, right? My, my daughters love Roblox. And in Roblox, you have, I guess, Robux and you can spend them on things inside of the stores or, or whatever, things like that. And I think you can buy ones with actual money or you can have some inside the game that I guess are not actual money. And so they're really interested in that. So we use that as an opportunity for conversation. And, you know, because they're, they're so interested in Robux, but they may not really be interested in real money at the time. And so we use that as an opportunity for conversation. So again, I think it goes back to using their interests as an opportunity for conversation and not, not, not writing it off because it's just Robux. Because the, the concept overall is, you know, the real money concept. And I think the third one would be having resources available for them to explore and learn on their own. Um, and that can look like many different things. Like for my daughter with a debit card, I mean, I manage it, but she has, she can, if she wants, go on to Amazon on my computer and order $5 or something. She bought a microphone for her YouTube channel, right? I mean, so she gets to kind of explore what that feels like, what that looks like. Whoa. So she has that resource to try it. And then she also has, you know, we have some books on money. And so they're kids' books, and she likes to go in those and explore them and read them. And so I think having resources for them to research and explore on their own so that they can have some ownership of it is also a, a really helpful piece. YouTube channel? <laughs> Sorry? She has a YouTube channel? Oh, yeah. She has a YouTube channel. She does. She wow. created that and... Um, she doesn't use like her face or her name. Those are her rules. So she has to have an alias and it can't be up her face. But, um, 
you know, she loves to watch other people's YouTube channel and then figure out different things that she can try. And uh, she's obsessed with the metrics, right? I mean, she's a nerd. I'm a nerd. I love nerds. <laughs> so. The main fact that she started is just outstanding. She started a channel. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I'm, I mean, if she comes to me and says, I want to try this, then I, my response is, you know, how are we going to make sure it's safe? What are your next five steps? And, you know, how are you going to maintain it? And so she can come up with, me with the craziest ideas, but as long as she can support it, then, and, you know, no one's going to get hurt, <laughs> then I'm usually in support of it. Uh, so she's done some pretty interesting things, and some of them last and some of them don't, but the experience of it is what's most important. So she understands that YouTube can also be another oh, source yes. of income. Yes. Yeah, okay. oh, yeah. When we talk about all those pieces, because on a whole different topic, but just briefly, we, um, I, technology isn't going anywhere and it's a tool, social media and all those types of things. And while there's a lot of danger, if you will, inside of them, they're not going anywhere. I mean, they're a part of our kids' lives. So instead of just shielding them from all of it and saying, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, I want her to be able, same with money, to be able to kind of explore it and understand it and be introduced to it. So it's not just this big, scary thing that one day at 16, they get a phone and then suddenly they have access to everything and no understanding of how to manage and filter the information. I just, I wrote an article the other day for a friend and um, I was reading this book um, called or The Organized Mind. And it was saying, we intake something like a, 170 plus newspapers worth of information a day. Mm. And then we're expected to filter that in our kids too, right? So why wouldn't we allow them the opportunity to try and understand it and filter it at a younger rate? That's a different topic, but... No, <laughs> that's, no. You know, that's no, what no. kind of led to the YouTube channel and all those types of things. Right. So as you can see, communication is a common thread here and is very big when teaching your child financial literacy. You have to talk to them and you have to include them. Our next guest is from episode 17, Jacqueline Collins Prester. She is a teacher in Massachusetts who is teaching financial literacy on a daily basis. So getting her advice was definitely a blessing. And here she is. So the three jewels of advice, the first one would be to talk to your kids at an early age about money. Make sure that you are giving them everything you can about all different types of money scenarios. They're paying attention, whether you know it or not. And I will give you a funny little story about my son. <laughs> um, he pays attention to everything, regardless of I think I'm even talking to him or he's, I'm talking to someone else. Mm -hmm. um, one day I was emptying the dishwasher and all of a sudden he turned to me and he looked and said, mama, how am I going to pay for college? And I said, well, bud, you know, you still have eight years. You're only 10. This was last year. And I said, you're only 10. You still have eight years to go before you start college. He goes, no, I am 10 years old. I am going next year. <laughs> and I said, you know, you don't start college when you're 11. You, you know, you still have some time and we're working on things and there's scholarships and grants and whatnot. And he goes, no, mama, there are plenty of 11 year old kids in college. And I, I'm looking at him thinking, I don't know where he's going with this. I said, well, you know, name one. And he just put his hands on his hips and he goes, Sheldon Cooper. 
So Sheldon Cooper and the Big Bang Theory was in college when he was 11 years old. And so that is his frame of reference is that, you know, he was going to start college this year. <laughs> and he was worried about how he was going to pay for it because he hears me talking about the importance of saving for the future and being financially literate. So um, he's been paying attention all along. <laughs> Even when, you know, I'm teaching remotely or I'm planning lessons. So talk to your students at a young age because they really do pay attention. <laughs> so the second one I would say is to build a number sense. When you talk about money, it's so abstract for students, especially younger students. And when you really want to start building um understanding about money at a young age. Uh, they say that students can understand financial concepts, very limited, but starting around age three. And if you can build number sense with students at a young age, they will understand money even easier at that young age. So building number sense with them is really important. With my own child, I played a lot of games with him with dice and with cards. So comparing numbers to each other was really good. Um, anything you can do with, with your own child to build that number sense at a, at a younger age, it kind of segues really well into money. So coins, dice, and, and cards, I think are really good things to do with your, with your children at a young age to, to help them understand dollars. It's just a, an easy way to, to, to equate those numbers to each other. Our next guest is a popular podcast host from the Side Hustle Show, Nick Loper. And it was a pleasure having him on episode 18. So check him out on that episode. But he had a very unique view when we asked him that same question. Check it out. Number one, I think, is to think like a CEO and be the CEO of your own house. And what I mean by that is... You know, you're going to be responsible for your personal profitability. Here's an example, right? So say the family makes 50 grand a year and they spend uh, 49,000. You know, they're, they're not getting ahead. There's no margin in their lives, right? So, so you have to mind both the expense side and the, and the income side there. But guarding that personal profitability and like being aware of it, tracking it, I think is huge. Number two, so that's kind of like the monthly snapshot type of thing. And, and you could do this on an annual basis, but just, you know, trying to keep track of expenses over the course of a whole year is a little bit more, uh, a little bit more difficult, but like get, have an honest look at the expenses, see where you're at uh, in, in terms of profitability. And, and for the sake of reference, I want to say something like 5% is the national average savings rate that went up by the way, during COVID, which was kind of surprising, mm -hmm. but it's like, well, we're not buying plane tickets. We're not going out to eat. You know, there's a lot of stuff we're not spending money on. Um, but historically for the last several years, national average 5% savings rate. If you make a hundred grand as a family, you have $5,000 left over. I would challenge you to try and do better than that. The more profitable you can be, the more just financial breathing room you have in your days. It's a less stressful existence. Uh, the second thing to track here is net worth. So if the, you know, monthly personal profitability metric is kind of like that uh, snapshot in time, the net worth is the, you know, long, that's like keeping score on a, on a longer term scale. And the goal of the game in the net worth arena is to accumulate 25, 30 times annual expenses. And then you're, and then you're free, like financial freedom in, in terms of, you know, th the fire movement and all that jazz. And there's, you can shortcut that with, 
you know, by building business assets and real estate assets and stuff like that. So those would be number one and two. The third jewel is just this call to always be testing, you know, testing in business, testing in life. Just um, I, I read somewhere somewhere that at any given time, Amazon is running a thousand different tests on their websites from you know, the position of a button to the color of a link to, you know, how this information is uh, displayed on a page. And that's how they become the best. Even, you know, it's these stacking up these incremental gains. And I think you can apply the same mentality, maybe not to the extreme that Amazon does in your own life. Hey, what, what would happen if I got up at 530? What would happen if I uh, wrote 500 words a day? What happens if I committed to making a YouTube video every day? What would happen if I went and put flyers around the neighborhood advertising my service? Like just trying to test out these different things and see if that moves the needle for you. Those would be three, three ju- hopefully jewels, maybe three lumps of coal uh, to, uh, to go about that path to financial freedom. Thank you, Nick. Those were some strong jewels of advice there. Our last guest who contributed to this episode is Todd Christensen from episode 25. He is from moneyfit.org and he gave some good, wholesome advice on how to raise financial freedom. Let's hear what he's got to say. All right. Stay open. Be open with your kids when they ask about money. Two, when they ask you, can I have this candy? Can you buy this for me instead of saying we don't have money for that instead say that's not a priority for us right now and then three do play financial games with them there are games out there and kids love learning by games so play games with them and be open and ready to ask questions and i'll give you last my bonus answer is when you are sitting watching tv with your uh, with your kids and a commercial comes on just turn and ask them what do you think they're trying to say by this commercial? Do you think they're trying to say we're, we'll be happier if we drink that drink or if we eat that food or if we wear those clothes? Help them learn to differentiate between truth and advertising. Mm, food for thought, Todd. Food for thought. I like that. Mm-hmm. So now it has been a year and that was just a small portion of guests that have been on the show. We would like to thank all All the guests that have contributed to all the great content that we've been able to publish on this show. And once again, we will just like our fans, our followers, our listeners to share with other people. Tell people about the show through their social and email and leave a review wherever you can on any podcast player or Apple or CastBox, whatever. But mainly sharing and letting other parents know about the show really helps us to grow. And we've experienced growth through this whole year, which we've been publishing. So once again, thank you. Until next episode, stay safe. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Raising Financial Freedom, the podcast. Stay connected with us directly through RaisingFinancialFreedom.com. You can also join the discussion on social media, which you can also find links on our website. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through info at RaisingFinancialFreedom.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to please like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, be kind to yourself and each other. Thank you.